Hey everybody, welcome to Melrose Sheltering in Place. I'm Nan. And I'm Christopher, and I have some exciting news for you listeners. Nan and I are getting married so that Nan can stay in the country and not have to go back to Russia. Oh, wait. (laughs) I was was like, what? (laughs) That's just the plot on the show that is lasting a surprisingly long time, but... Ugh, and it goes to the stereotypical place yeah. that I freaking hate. But so. I will say that I think it is progress for the writers if they're able to have an arc that lasts several episodes. Because I think that shows where every episode is like super self-contained are not good. Because I think you need to have character development and things like that. Like one of my biggest critiques, one of my favorite shows of all time is Star Trek The Next Generation. But you could practically watch the shows in almost any order because almost nothing really carries over from one episode to the next. And, you know, a lot of things on that show should have really deeply affected the characters. And they totally didn't. But anyway, that's for another podcast. <laughs> yeah. And like, I mean, for this show in particular, I think it just has you have to have it to have the show can keep your attention, yeah. you know, and to care about these particular people. Yeah. Um, I just don't know that this is my favorite. This is like a really uh, cliche story arc that's in a lot of shows, and I just hate it so much. I guess the good thing is that we're getting it out of the way already in season two, since every show (laughs) has to have it, right? (laughs) Right. Uh, What Um, we're talking... Oh, and for those of you who don't know, this is a show where we talk about Mellor's place, (laughs) and we're sheltering in place, because I'm in my house in Texas, and Christopher's in his house in Washington State, and... um, uh, and we have never watched Melrose Place before, so this is our first time and, watching Melrose Place. And this Saturday in particular, it's like super intensely sheltering in place because uh, as of today, we're recording on November 21st, 2020, um, COVID-19 cases are surging everywhere, and we've gone into like a more severe lockdown in Washington State, at least. Um and, you know, uh, Thanksgiving is coming up, and so that's going to be a huge disaster. So uh, we, we only see my in-laws anyway. And um, this week, uh, I'm not even – I didn't even grocery shop. I normally do grocery shopping at 5 a.m. on Saturdays to avoid everybody. And I didn't even do that because um, what the governor asked for was that if you are going to see people on Thanksgiving that you quarantine for two weeks beforehand – and um, I did it as close as I could. He gave us 12 days notice for that. Um, so it'll be 12 days for us. But, you know, thank goodness for grocery delivery. That's all I have to say. Right. Um, and let's, here's hope, like, you know, I hope that our grocery delivery people and workers of the world are able to be as safe as possible and also that they should be among the first along with healthcare workers to get the vaccine when it when it's ready yes because yes. people who put themselves in harm's way to benefit everybody else deserve the first crack for sure um so yes coronavirus yeah. um and then what we were referring to earlier was something that has already started on the show which is um matt talking about getting married to katya so that she can stay in the united states with her precocious daughter nikki but we'll get to that in the summary 
So uh, should I go ahead and dive right into episode seven of season two of Melrose Place, Flirting with Disaster? Let's do it. Hey, speaking of which, that's a DVD recommendation from me is the amazing movie Flirting with Disaster starring Ben Stiller and Taya Leone. Basically, if Taya Leone is in something, you should watch it. And that's especially good. Um, Okay. So uh, Jane kisses Robert good night but it's actually eight in the morning in his car uh they've spent the night boning and he is dropping her off at melrose place and of course he does a variation of that um i hate to see you go but i love to watch you walk away because <laughs> we all know that jane mancini has an incredible ass right <laughs> Um, uh, I guess in white people land. <laughs> um, so she comes into the apartment and Sydney is blasting music. Um, and Jane turns it off and tells her to move out. Um, and the next morning when Jane is leaving her apartment, she spots Sydney with Amanda at one of the other apartment doors. Uh, she's signing a lease for her own place at Melrose place, which is not quite what Jane had in mind, Jane wanted her to get on a plane and go the hell home. Um, and you know, Jane is like, what? You can't do this. She doesn't have a job. She doesn't have money, but, um, you will hear more later about how, um, the, the lease was secured and Amanda's not worried about that. Um, (laughs) uh, Sydney's first piece of furniture is Jane and Michael's old bed that she found in the laundry room. So um, she already gets to marinate in the stink of their dead marriage. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, Amanda uh, takes, wait a minute. I have to reread this really quick. Yeah, okay. Amanda takes a break from looking forlornly at a picture of Jake to meet with Allison, who has gotten a haircut. She has um, almost a bob, but not quite. Um, She sends her to meet at a ranch with another reclusive business person. I guess this is going to be how we think all business people are is... um, millionaire recluses who don't actually want to make more money. Um, his name is Steve McMillan and he owns a company called Microcomp. <laughs> um, there is a ton of, ma- that feels very nineties tech. Oh, like- totally. Uh, you know what they should have done? It should have been a virtual reality company instead of just a regular computer company. <laughs> like that would have really sealed the deal for me. Cause the nineties were all about VR. Um, uh, there's a huge pile of material that Allison needs to read up on the next day. And she thinks that she's being a little bit sabotaged, but Amanda basically says, I'm not really hopeful about this pitch anyway. And I think that whether or not it turns out well, it'll be good experience for you. Uh, so Billy visits Allison while she's working late at the office and He tells her that she should just wing it, but he also offers to help her study. And um, when she gets to the ranch the next day, Allison nearly runs down a dude on a horse. I'm not sure 
how anybody would ever think you should go like 40 on a windy dirt road, but um, maybe Betsy, the Ford Escort she drives, is just too powerful and can't be contained. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and then, um, you know, she ascertains from this guy that she's at the right place. Uh, this is Steve McMillan's ranch. And the guy tries to talk to her and she totally blows him off. Um, and it turns out that he was Steve McMillan. So she's super embarrassed when he comes up to her at the ranch house, which is not actually his residence. He has a much huger mansion somewhere on the property, but there's also just a regular mansion for day-to-day ranch stuff, I guess. Um, he likes her proposal, but he says that it's just not really what he's looking for. So on her way out, uh, Betsy's brakes go out and um, she swerves and smashes into a fence. Um, that means that she ends up hanging out at the ranch uh, overnight and has beers with Steve. Um, and she comes clean about being embarrassed for blowing the presentation. But he says that that's not the issue. What's, the problem is, is that he just doesn't know what he's looking for yet. Meanwhile, uh, Matt visits Katya's place and precocious Nikki answers the door and they have a little sad exchange about the fact that Nikki and Katya are leaving. Um, Matt feels guilty and selfish for not agreeing to marry Katya and he's actually there to take her up on the offer, but he's not going to accept the money, which I... I think it was going to be $1,000 a month. Was that right? I know there was $1,000 at least in the cash wad that she had. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, So he goes uh, to Michael. Um, He has to let everybody know that um, he's going to be pretending to get married to Katya. So he's got to talk to everybody about it. And Michael's the first to know because they work together. Um. Matt, Nikki, and Katya go to City Hall to get married, and um, Nikki asks Matt if he loves her mommy. Um, He says yes, and observant little Nikki says, but you never kiss. Um, And he explains that they love each other, and they're doing it all for her so that you, Nikki, can have a good life. (laughs) This show is, like, so... Um, in the in this arc, it's also like trading in these uh, these uh, stereotypes about what Russia was like back then, mm. you know, and like Russia is this terrible place, and America is just amazing, and <laughs> um, uh, and I just find it kind of very dated and funny yeah. to me. Uh, this pops up a lot in media from like the eighties and nineties, um, because it was you know the height of the well, early 90s, the height of the Cold War. Um, uh, all that stuff falls apart, you know, at some point over the course of that decade. But this is still the early-ish 90s. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> um, they they exchanged their vows, and Matt did not come prepared with a ring, uh, I guess because they were in such a hurry. But she has her old one that she can wear. Which, um, I can't remember, did they ever talk about her ex-husband and what happened to him? I can't. 
I don't really think so. I don't think we've ever gotten much detail about him. I hope he's like a spy or something. Like, <laughs> what, if, what if this turns out like Alias? <laughs> Speaking of which, did, did you ever watch Alias? I did not. Mm. I remember when it was on because it was like super huge show, but I didn't watch it. Well, the funny thing about Alias is the way that it happened is that um, right after uh, Felicity got started... They started asking J.J. Um, Abrams to make Felicity into like a spy show. And he was like, oh, my God. <laughs> and he's like, it's too late. We've already established that she's uh, a, a new college student and she's there because she followed a boy she liked. And then there's this other boy that she likes and she wears a lot of different sweaters. We can't make it into a spy show now. It's too late. Um, so he just created Alias in order to fill that void that the network thought they had um but if, that's hilarious yeah, but if we've learned anything you can change a show at any time because melrose place is way different in season two and thank goodness um <laughs> so um let's see kimberly is uh giggling with another doctor about a clamp that got lost in someone's body during a procedure and Michael sees this happening and he's like instantly jealous because, you know, what we know about Michael is that he's the cheating type. And so he perceives that in everything everybody else does, even if it's way off base. Um, right. And he's also <laughs> that guy who's like, I don't like he's like not, you know, him and Jane are getting divorced, but he doesn't want her to be with anybody else. And he is cheating on Kimberly with Sydney, but doesn't want Kimberly to possibly be with anybody else. Like he's totally that guy. Yeah. He's terrible. Um, let's see. Uh, they, there's a conference that uh, a lot of the doctors are going to, but Michael can't go because of, um, you know, staffing issue. They don't have enough people. Um, and he wants Kimberly not to go just because he can't, but she won't. So he's pissed. And that's fine because we like it when he's pissed off and annoyed. Um, Amanda finds Jake swimming at the Melrose Place pool and says that it looks inviting, but she won't jump in when he says that she should join him. Uh, he's trying to be aloof about the night that he was at her place and made a move um, and she rebuffed him. Uh, and he accuses her of playing games when she asks what's wrong with them just having a conversation. And he says, if he wanted conversation, he would call a 900 number. Um, as if Jake could afford a 900 number. Those things were hella expensive. I think it was like eight ninety nine a minute for a lot of them, maybe $2 each minute after that. Um, but, you know, sometimes you only need, like, two minutes, right? Um, anyway, <laughs> um, they have a wedding reception um, at a restaurant uh, for Matt and Katya's sham marriage. Uh, Jane brings her lawyer, Robert, to the reception um, because, you know, she's Jane, the lawyer, cock destroyer now. <laughs> um and she's doing introductions and she passes over Sydney while she's saying everybody's names. And that was just really annoying. Like it's super obvious 
Yeah, it feels too obvious. Like, I get it that they have stuff. And, like, I mean, you know, um, I I just can't imagine being that obvious in front of your friends. About your sister. <laughs> it just makes you look messy. Yeah. Like, you know. Like, what you should do is you should enthusi- enthusiastically introduce the others and be like, oh, my sister's here. Hi. You know. <laughs> like... <laughs> The, they're sisters. They've had their entire lives to learn how to push each other's buttons. And just passing over somebody is lazy. Um, so there's a random Russian dude who appears who doesn't seem to know Katya or anything. And he's like, you got married? Well, we have to have a huge celebration. And so suddenly everybody starts doing shots of vodka and getting up and dancing around um amanda gets really drunk and jake gets really hot for her and joe sees this and is annoyed by it even though she's done with him um michael shows up already drunk with a gift um and jane and robert get up to leave because they don't want to be around him (laughs) and uh michael basically calls jane a whore in the way that he always does and she slaps him so the party comes to a screeching halt. Uh, Sydney sees an opportunity and she tries to leave with Michael, but he turns her down. <laughs> um, Jake escorts Amanda back to her place and they make out. And um, she says that he's in charge and asks what's happening next. And he gets up and leaves saying that... Um, she's impaired and she should call him when she's not, which is great because up until now he's been doing some really shitty stuff to, to her and to Joe and being, you know, violent and not respecting boundaries. So I really liked this little change in Jake. That was nice. Um, But I don't think he actually did it for the right reasons. I think he just wanted to leave her heart up, (laughs) but you know, Whichever path you take to get to the right place, I guess, works. Um, (laughs) Sydney finds Michael at the beach house and asks him to co-sign her lease. Um, I guess that before, Amanda wasn't worried about renting to her because she was reassured that she could find someone to co-sign. Which, by the way, that's a very 90s and 80s plot, too. I can't remember the last time I heard about anybody co-signing anything. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I mean, it's been a while since I've... It's also been a while since I've been, like, 18 and buying my first car, yeah. which my mom definitely had to co-sign my loan for that, but because I had no credit history. But also, like... Uh, yeah, it's just... It seems kind of funny, too, for it to be Michael, because Amanda's knows michael and it's just going to be really obvious yeah that, you know what i mean it just seems kind of fu- like a funny person to ask yeah totally but i guess she doesn't really know anybody else in la other than jane and yeah so um i guess she could have asked kate beaton <laughs> or Kay beaton whatever her name is um speaking of which they never really talked about why she doesn't work there anymore did they or uh i guess not <laughs> um because Jane would be furious about Sydney moving into Melrose Place. He's totally down to co-sign the loan, um, even though he 
has to give like half of his money to Jane anyway. So maybe Michael's going to have financial trouble in the future. Let's hope so. Um, he grabs some beers for them. And while he's turned away getting them, she disappears um, and he finds her in the bedroom and they bone. And um, that was their first time boning, I think. <laughs> um so Allison returns home from the ranch. Um, turns out the millionaire computer ranch owner has a staff of ranch hands who could do anything, even fix um, a Ford Escort that should probably be taken out back and shot. <laughs> um, Billy, of course, missed her, and they bone. Um <laughs> Uh, Steve is actually at D&D Advertising when Allison arrives. Um, she landed the account after all. Uh, Amanda uh, tries to assign herself as the account executive, but Steve says that he wants to work with Allison and that they want to start brainstorming right away. Um, in their brainstorming session, Steve asks about her love life and wants to know about Billy and speaking of which, Billy comes to the office later to look for Allison. And, um, you know, you can, he's, he sees through the window and, of course, is instantly jealous. You can see it on his face. Be that was so irritating. Yeah. Like, he just basically walks up and they're, they're standing up by the table and they're looking at um, concepts or something, yeah. you know. And they're laughing and he gets all jealous. But I'm like... People laugh at work, Billy, and people of different genders work together. Yeah. And, <laughs> like, that nothing about this should be making you jealous. It was super weird. Yeah. It was super weird to have him have that reaction in that moment. Yeah, it was sad. Um, so Michael wakes up to the alarm in the morning, and he's sees Sydney out the window on the beach um, and is alarmed that she's there. I guess it was one of those kind of blackouty sort of nights where, um, you know, he doesn't actually remember boning her, but, you know, when he thinks about it, he can kind of conjure up a detail here and there. We've all been there. <laughs> um, he comes out to talk to her and she tackles him and says that she's so happy because, of course, now she thinks that they're dating because that's Sydney. Um, he says that it was indeed great, but she needs to leave. <laughs> uh, she begs and he agrees to let her stay for another day of boning because um, Sydney is away at that conference after all. Uh, Jane is out front washing her car because now for some reason everybody does stuff out in front of Melrose place. Now this is a new thing. They didn't used to do that many exterior shots. The last time we saw this much out front was, um, when Allison was trying to sell Betsy, Betsy, which I'm surprised still hasn't happened by the way. Um, Robert pulls up. It's actually been a while since, um, she heard from him because Michael freaked him out, but he's there to say that he's falling in love with her. Um, an immigration official shows up at the hospital to talk to Katya. He's there to follow up because her form didn't actually mention where they'll be living 
and Matt says that Katya and Nikki are moving in with him, um, <laughs> which will be great because he definitely has a one bedroom there. So I'm not sure where um, <laughs> Nikki is supposed to sleep or for the rest of us, I'm not sure where Katya is supposed to sleep. Um, my this is the thing too about this storyline where I'm just like, why are these people so bad at lying? It's like, <laughs> what you say is she'll be moving in with me very short term while we look for a bigger place. Right. Like, they they seem to just not, I don't know. It's And I get that it's to heighten the drama of them possibly getting caught or whatever, but it just feels silly to me. Yeah. Um, so uh, speaking of things being... Uh, out front of the building um jake is out front fixing a bike which he normally does by the pool um he should especially be doing it by the pool because it used to make michael mancini mad when he would do it by the pool and now michael mancini is not there to get mad at him (laughs) um amanda drives up and um, she asks if they boned the night before because she can't remember uh, he teases her about it for a bit and uh, says that they didn't do that, even though she really wanted to. Sydney calls her mom to ask for money, pretending it's for Jane. And Kimberly arrives, so Sydney sneaks out, and Michael nearly blows it as he's getting out of the shower and drying off. Um, so he thinks that uh, it's going to be Sydney there, and or sorry. Yeah, he thinks it's going to be Sydney there when he's drying off and he has a towel over his head, but it's actually Kimberly. Um, and meanwhile, Sydney has snuck out and she prances down the beach. And I don't know why I put all that in the second Jake section, but that's all that happened on episode seven. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so definitely we're getting uh, set up for Michael and Sydney and Kimberly to have quite a little storyline here. Um and uh, when when Sydney left the apartment, like she did a really good job of sneaking out that one the bedroom door while Kimberly was going into the the house door. They're like right next to each other. But what I didn't understand was why she like jumped over the railing <laughs> because it felt like it gave more time for Sydney. I mean, for Kimberly to possibly see her out through the sliding glass door instead of like just going around the side the normal way. seemed like it would be faster and like less conspicuous but i mean it's tv again it's tv she might have been worried that she might walk past a window where she'd be spotted or she maybe just wanted it but she was right in front of the sliding glass door (laughs) (laughs) maybe she just always wanted to sneak out of a place in that manner because she's a person who thinks about things like that <laughs> yeah i mean sydney is definitely like the uh delusional person of the melrose place crew yeah um so michael is definitely playing with fire here so now we're in episode eight of season two called no bed of roses um, Amanda's dad is visiting with a vintage car reproduction, visiting Melrose Place, and he's thinking of getting a few more to build and sell to make some money off of. Jake comes out, and Amanda's dad tells Jake it's not a reproduction. His fatherly advice, uh, most people's brains are sponges. They'll sop up anything if you tell it right. Amanda tries to say reality is what it is, but Steve agrees with Allison that they need to have a more grounded approach. 
Um, Amanda shoots down Allison's idea to put Steve in the ads, but he wants to do it. Um, uh, okay. Um, <laughs> over, <laughs> over dinner with Amanda, we learn. So, yeah, Allison's got this big idea to put Steve in the ads, like have a human face for this computer situation. Um, over dinner with Amanda, we learn Jake's uh, taken a job at the shop. Uh, he doesn't really like and for not enough money, but he needs to take what he can get in order to pay the 150, I mean the one, the 15,000 back to Joe. Amanda thinks Jake should be her dad's head mechanic. He agrees to call him and they kiss, but agree to take it slow. She calls her dad before the door even closes. Jake visits Amanda's dad who interrupts the interview to ask if Jake and Amanda are dating. He offers a salary plan that starts with 15k advance, then $500 a week for 15 weeks, then $1500 a week after that. Jake of course turns it down because he feels like it's charity and he's a little brat. I, I fucking mean, hate him. He thinks like you are getting a job. You are going to work. Like it is not charity and getting a job just because like look, everyone has feelings about what we call nepotism or networking or getting friends because you know people, but that's how like lots of people get jobs. And it's weird that he's so hung up on like never wanting to get a job because you know, he knows somebody or whatever. It's like, I I would understand if he was mad, if uh, Amanda was like, why don't you just be my house boy? I'll pay you. Right. Like, this is not that. (laughs) No, he's getting a job that in his field, like this is his field. It's not like it's some random thing. Um, so yeah, I don't, it's, it's really weird. Uh, Amanda comes to Jake's to chew him out and they fight in front of his weird uh, mantle snake. <laughs> the, you, you, you all got to watch the, the decor on this show. There's always such funny stuff in the background. Weird art. Very, oh, I love it. Like there's this, snake on his mantle and it's all like a big not quite a figure eight but like a circle i don't know it's i could do a whole blog just of the decor on melrose place (laughs) but um i can't i just can't make myself do another screenshot blog i did one of all of the sweaters on felicity i was kind of referring to that earlier and i got partway through one of um hairstyles on Dawson's Creek, but um, I just can't make myself pick it back up. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Understandable. Uh, So she accuses him of sexism and he says he can't, she can't stand it when people stand up to her and they fight kiss. And if you're going to kiss me, don't do that pinned up macho anchor thing. I don't like bruises and they tear each other's shirts and finally bone and the next morning he's curious what it means for them but she isn't looking for the arrangement to be serious she says he's a better lay than billy (laughs) who who is unsure of himself um uh yeah cool uh billy wants to go whale watching and make love all night in a bed and breakfast but allison needs to work all weekend he was hoping to celebrate his Bryant Hotel article getting a three-page spread. Oh, this was something that was weird to me. <clears throat> like, again, the way that they communicate about stuff that's going on in their lives is strange to me. Like, 
Um, in the in the last episode of this show, we talked about an episode where Billy takes her to you know on a work trip, basically, and it's and they're they're fighting because she doesn't understand why he's not paying enough attention to her on this trip, and then she finds out through reading his files that he's interviewing this big hotel guy. And it's like, why didn't Billy say that? Like, <laughs> if this is a big deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so he springs these plans on her and is mad she doesn't want to do it. And then he, like, shares that he's got this, ho- this you know, that his article is getting this hype. And it's just like, I don't, I feel like that's, that's the lead. Like, if I walked in on my partner and I, and something like that happened, the first thing I would say is, oh, my God, I got this three-page spread, my article. It's going to get, you know, published, blah, 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 you know. Yeah. So it's just weird to me the way that they communicate. Also, you know, you mentioned earlier that Allison's got this shorter hair now. And, and the way they style it, oh, my God, <laughs> it's so 90s. It's like these two big waves uh, emanating from a part in the front. And then, like, uh, yeah, it's kind of hilarious. Um very 90s. I mean, probably was not funny at the time. It was just the way people wore their hair, but it, I, I can't even imagine. <laughs> um, so she won't be back for dinner that night, but they maybe can celebrate the next night. And later, while reviewing photos, Steve doesn't like most of the work, but notices Joe's and also tells Allison she has a wonderful smile. We can all see where this is going. Mm-hmm. He asks her out, even though he knows about Billy. She gets home late, having forgotten Billy was taking her to dinner. He's a big baby about it and says she's not putting any time into their relationship and accuses her of being hot for Steve. At the shoot, Joe accuses Allison of being hot for Steve, but says, uh, but she says she's she'd be making a huge fool of herself if it weren't for Billy. Um, Joe wants to shoot alone, and Allison reminds her to sh- not shoot him naked <laughs> like she did the last time that she shot somebody alone. Um, um, can I just say for a minute, by the way, that it's really dumb of Billy to act all jealous of Steve because by doing that, you're kind of showing off that maybe Steve would be a better choice. <laughs> like Steve's a very eligible bachelor. And, right. um, you know, if, if you're going to be annoying to, oh, wait, did you freeze? Uh, can you see me? Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. I can hear you now. Okay. <laughs> um, if, if you're going to be annoying to your romantic partner about them supposedly being into somebody who is potentially a billion times better than you, that's not really strategic at all. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it really is not. Um, like, he needs to get a grip for sure. Yeah. <sighs> um. Also, I think we might currently, dear listeners, we use Google Meet to talk to each other uh, while we're recording this podcast. And I'm starting to think that Google Meet sucks and that we might need to change it up to Zoom or something better because the freezes and the glitches <laughs> and the lags are getting worse. Mm. Um, and my boss mentioned the same thing because sometimes we use Google Meet at work because it's just easier to hook up than Zoom. But uh, my last meeting with my boss, like she froze straight up froze so many times. I'm and she was like, I think Google meet is getting worse. So if you're out there and you work for Google, uh, get, <laughs> can you guys get your poop together? Um, but I think in the meantime, we might want to switch it up to zoom or something. Yeah, I'm totally ready. Um, I think zooms can only be 45 minutes unless you pay. Right. 
I pay for an account okay. because I use it for other stuff like meetings and things that I needed to have, you know, just the freedom to do whatever with. Yeah. So I could probably I, I kind of stopped paying for it, but I'll start again because it's only like $14 and it's fine. Okay. It's not that big a deal. Right on. Um, I'm old money bags over here. Just throwing around my money for for this fancy podcast. You know, I'll be honest. Like, even though um, my personal budget uh, took a hit during the pandemic, like the the weekly spending money that I have was slashed by forty percent for a while, and uh, still hasn't recovered. I still have plenty of money because I can't do the things that I want to do that normally cost me money. So, right, yeah. So, like, I bought myself a nice new laptop, and you know, I am thinking about maybe a printer, even though all I do is print zines on it. It's just like, whatever, I, I have some money, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I have like all this extra money laying around that I've mostly just been, you know, obviously, there's a lot of places in the world to send it at this point, so I've just been doing that with it a lot. Yeah. Um, but uh, so Michael, Kimberly, Sydney, she wants to go to a nice lunch, but he, wait, she as in I, Sydney or Kimberly? I can't remember. Uh, it's Kimberly. It's Sydney. Okay. It's Sydney. It's Sydney. Yeah. Okay. So Sydney wants to go to a nice lunch, but he supposedly has. No, it's, it's, it's sorry. No, it's, Kimberly, it's Kimberly. Sorry. The, <laughs> okay. That's right. They were at the hospital and. <laughs> Full disclosure, I watched all these episodes like a full week ago. So Yeah, same here. Um Kimberly, we're really just like super consummate professionals over here at Power <laughs> Shelter Place. Uh Kimberly and Michael are at the hospital and Kimberly's like, let's go to lunch. And he's like, No, I supposedly have business at Melrose Place. <laughs> and it's obvious he's really going to Sydney's a new apartment to bone. On his old bed. <laughs> I have to say that I like Michael Mancini a lot more when his shirt is off. Can I just say that that man has a very nice torso mm. area? Um, so it's obvious. I mean, I usually go for like this slit, you know, scrawny dudes, but whatever. Um, it's <laughs> obvious he's really going to Sydney's new apartment to bone. He sneaks up immediately, undresses when he enters. <laughs> she wants to talk about her stuffed animal. But he just wants to stuff it. <laughs> Michael's doing better at work, but which Kimberly notices. He gets a page from a mystery number, and it's Sydney who just got her phone and wants a lunchtime bone. Did I get some sentences out of order by pasting it in wrong? Maybe I did. I'm not sure. Did he go twice? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> who cares? Um, <laughs> okay, wait. So, okay, we're boning, we're boning. Boning is happening. Boning happens. Kimberly is pissed. Post bone. Sydney complains that they don't go out together and Michael's trapped inside because Jane's swimming. <laughs> oh yeah, that was the best. Like Michael's just trapped in Sydney's apartment because Jane's in the pool. And um, I love the way they showed Jane swimming because she was like really swimming. Like I, uh, you know, this is an audio only podcast, but picture in like commercials and stuff when they show someone swimming and their legs go like way out wide and they're wearing like a super white bathing suit and going really slow across the pool and you're supposed to be so jealous of people who are luxuriating in this pool in the sunlight and that's totally what jane was doing she was just like having a moment and michael's like up there pissed looking down at her i loved it (laughs) (laughs) yeah um 
it was that was a really nice like scene uh and also i'm just like sydney girl like you got with this man like you basically kind of connived your way into getting this man to have sex with you and now you're like why don't we go out yeah I, i i mean obviously sydney is uh portrayed as not emotionally stable and is like you know this is the natural outcome of like what she is is doing. Yeah. Um, um, I will say that Sydney is kind of dumb. Like it's for the benefit of the show that she got an apartment at Melrose Place. But if she was thinking, she would have gotten an apartment somewhere else so that it would be easier for Michael to come and bone her. Right. Although <laughs> I I wonder if deep down Sydney wants them to get caught to like stick it to Jane. Oh, probably. In yeah. Some way, you know. Yeah. Um. So, uh, Michael obviously says that he hates to see Jane happy. He finds Kimberly asleep at the hospital and says he's been dealing with a lot of anger toward Jane and it's hurt Kimberly and that he loves her. She loves him too. Michael meets up with Sydney at Shooters to break it off, which she doesn't accept and threatens to make his life uncomfortable. (laughs) I mean, also just like, again, obviously Sydney is dealing with some issues, so she's not thinking clearly. But I'm just like, girl, you're really going to blackmail a man into being your boyfriend. <laughs> um, wow. This is taking a very dramatic turn. Yeah. Maybe she should date Steve. <laughs> <laughs> um, in Jane land, Robert wants to take Jane on a sailing double date in Catalina. She agrees to take Friday off for three days of sun and fun and enjoying life again. Jane has a feelings moment with her luggage because the tag says Michael's name on it and tells Robert she can't go. Uh, I think the tag literally said like Mr. and Mrs. Michael Mancini, which as a married person, I did take my spouse's last name um, in sort of a random fit of uh, uncharacteristic romantic sentiment for me. Um, but I cannot imagine ever writing my name, Mrs. Robert. I mean, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Sean Kirkpatrick ever in my life. It's crazy. Yeah, that's a that's a holdover to a different era when, you know, women were not expected to get a job unless they lived alone. And they were only expected to be like teachers and maybe typists. And they couldn't even get a credit card without a man co-signing. Hey, right. we're back to co-signing. <laughs> Right, your whole public life is basically your association to this man yeah. that you're married to. Yeah, it's very strange. And wouldn't it make so much more sense if our culture was matrilineal instead of patrilineal, since there's never any question who the mother is? <laughs> that's why, but see, that's the theory, is that that's why men are so weird about possessing women, is because they know deep down that they can never know whether that baby is theirs or not. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, marriage was not created for women. It was created for men's security. Yeah, for essentially. sure. Um, so, uh, so, uh, Robert, uh, so she, she freaks out about the tag. It tells Robert she can't go. Girl, get it together. <laughs> she also, uh, thinks she needs a break from Robert. Allison reassures her that it's okay to feel weird about the whole thing and wants to set Jane up on a date with a new, um, Accounting executive. from work. <laughs> uh, Jane's work on fashion sketches is interrupted by Sydney at the door. She wants to stay and help, but Jane doesn't want to be her babysitter, which pisses Sydney off. On her way out, Sydney says she's seeing someone, and you know she can't wait to say it's Michael. <laughs> Jane goes to Montezino's on the blind date, 
Allison set up for her and he's super annoying. Robert happens to show up and rescues her by pretending to be her brother. He brings her home and says he'll wait to be with her and she asks him out for the next night. So he's not got to wait long. Mm-hmm. Um, in Joe land, Jake takes the job after all. He brings a check to Joe and she doesn't want the money. They fight, of course. Amanda and Jake run into Joe after breakfast and Joe accuses Jake of trying to cut all ties with her so he can be with Amanda. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I I don't know. Like, why are you bad about that? Yeah. (laughs) Um, She's super pissed in her apartment with Steve when Steve calls and asks her out. Allison asks Billy to pretend to make. uh, Wait. Allison asks Billy, I don't know why I thought that's like pretend. <laughs> Allison asks Billy to spend the day at the beach because she feels bad for neglecting him. And just then Joe calls to make sure Allison's okay with them going out. Billy says he'll, it'll be the perfect match because Joe likes money and Steve has it. <laughs> Allison is clearly a little jealous because Steve is uh, mature to will, in a way Billy will never be. I don't understand what Billy's problem is with Joe. Like he asked her out once and she said no and he's with Allison now so he shouldn't give a fuck. Like he's such a little baby. I hate him. <laughs> Every Yeah, everyone on this show is like almost everyone on the show has a touch of that. Like, I don't, I don't want you, but no one else can have you or like, Oh, you were mean to me one time. And now I'm going to burn your house down. It's like, I, uh, yeah, it's just, it's the, everyone is so petty on this show and I kind of love it. I mean, let's face it. That's what makes the show amazing. Yes. Um, but also it's just sort of hilarious because a lot of times it doesn't even make any sense. Um, <laughs> Like, also, like, why is Billy making a shitty comment about Joe? He should be excited because now Steve is occupied with Joe and won't be trying to fuck around with Allison, which is exactly the thing that's been making him mad this whole time. Exactly. Allison would be better off with Steve, but you've dodged that bullet. So shut the hell up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't Allison want to be with a millionaire instead of a whiny writer? <laughs> I don't know. <clears throat> <laughs> oh god i just had the worst thought what if someday oh, no. billy is actually really successful with his writing and he has money Ugh. if billy ever becomes a successful writer <clears throat> i will be so mad because as somebody who has uh in the past like sort of tried to be a writer i'm i just i can't i i refuse to believe that that man has any talent whatsoever i refuse <laughs> i reject it we we do not accept this reality <laughs> Also, he loves Ernest Hemingway. I mean, just fuck this guy, right? Like, and he has a JFK like poster him. in his room. What kind of loser dork has a JFK poster in his room? <laughs> like, what is that even about? <laughs> oh, I don't know. It's like some kind of like, it's like the 90s version of virtue signaling, I guess. Mm. Which just for full disclosure to listeners, I just said a phrase that is often said by people on the right. I am on the left. Do not freak out on me. Um, this is a very left-leaning podcast. I am just kidding. <laughs> I'm making jokes. It's just jokes. Yes. If if Nan and I talk about anything, you can assume it is from a very liberal point of view. Just <laughs> FYI. In case you missed the last episode when we were talking about the election. Speaking of which... Uh, I don't even want to think about <laughs> it right now. What a shit show. Uh, yeah, basically as of November 21st... Uh, Trump is trying to sue his way into overturning the election and it will never work and it's a waste of time and it's so stupid. 
Uh, I hope it will never work, but I swear to God, I just can't relax completely. <laughs> like, it seems like a bananas proposition, and it definitely seems so far like it's kind of not working, but um, uh, I just, I don't know. I just have no faith in, yeah. in, in the process. They, they, they keep doing really dumb things. Like, they basically came out and said, well, if black people weren't allowed to vote, we would have won. <laughs> Right. I mean, uh, well, black people are people and they get to vote and they deserve to have their votes counted same as everybody else. So, yes. Anyway. Oh, my God. (laughs) Back to Um, better times. Melrose Place in the 90s. Uh, Episode nine of season two is called Married to It. Um, Jane and Robert are about to move from the couch to the bed for some boning when Sydney interrupts at the door. Um, but Jane blows her off. Um, you know, it's kind of like a little throwback to whenever Jane and Michael used to try to enjoy any part of their time. Somebody at Melrose Place would always knock on the door instead of calling for some reason. Um, she, uh, Sydney tries to call Michael instead because she's excited. She has a new job at Shooters, um, which, of, why didn't she apply there in the first place? I mean, it's the only bar that any of them ever go to. She should have just immediately started working there. She could have taken over right. Sandy's old job. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, she wants Michael to come over and celebrate and bone. A celebratory bone, if you will. Um, but of course he can't because he's at home with Kimberly. Um, Kimberly says, you need to end your friendship with Sydney." now so sydney shows up at jane's in her shooter's uniform the next morning as robert's getting dressed and robert um invites sydney to dinner with his parents but sydney sees how annoyed jane is by that and um she says no sydney can't make it (laughs) or maybe sydney said she couldn't make it i can't remember which but either way um michael at the uh, beach house is enjoying a beer on the deck and um, Sydney shows up to say hi. And I put he in the spreadsheet. <laughs> um, I, uh, I hate the way when you click into a cell, how it gets bigger and you lose your place. I'm just going to leave it. Sorry, future historians. Um, she checked Kimberly's schedule at the hospital, which should be completely impossible. I don't know how you could possibly call a schedule or call a hospital and find out when an employee would be working. I mean, no employer would ever tell you that and hospitals are especially careful with confidential information. But anyway, she uh, knows that Kimberly will be working all night. So she takes off her top and she says that she'll do anything Michael wants. So they bone. Um, and I have to wonder if that was maybe the first time Sydney ever did anal. Um, <laughs> in bed, Sydney says that she loves Michael and asks if he loves her. And he says yes just before Kimberly walks in. Uh, she slaps him and leaves, and Sydney lays there and gloats. Um, Matt is at a gallery show and a gallery owner named Joel, who has a very awful goatee. It, <laughs> it's a stubble goatee, which 
Um, it kind of combined two looks that were popular in the 90s, which is stubble and a goatee, but never the twain should meet, right? Like you, right. <laughs> you either have one or the other, but if you cut a circle into your stubble, it just looks bad. <laughs> It's like he just has a dirty chin and, or something. It looks like he he it looks like somebody played a prank where they put shoe polish on his cup or something. <laughs> <laughs> um but anyway, um uh he starts hitting on Matt. Um it turns out that he recognizes Matt from the gym and Katya comes up and cut blocks. Uh, I made a pun. Uh the situation uh matt tries to explain that um what's going on um but it becomes obvious that they never really talked about the arrangement like what should happen in public and you know is it okay if matt sees dudes and all that um and he's annoyed because he doesn't think that they need to pretend to be a couple in public at all which i think is a mistake i think if you're lying you should probably commit to the lie so you don't fuck it up but anyway um katya is actually pretty cool she encourages him to go back to the next day and tell the guy that it's totally okay if they bone uh and he does exactly that he goes over there and tells uh joel that theirs is a marriage of convenience and i've also put both joel and joe in the spreadsheet and i don't know which is correct but I'm going to say Joe because that's in there more often. <laughs> um, he accepts Matt's invitation to uh, dinner and offers up his theater tickets. Um, Matt tells Katya at work about it, and she says that the INS is going to be doing a home visit on Sunday, so she has to move in right away. Um, as Katya and Nikki are bringing their stuff in, Amanda asks Matt, what's up? So he explains the issue, um, which, like, Amanda was at the reception, so she already knows about this fake marriage. She already knows about the fake marriage, and on the way home from the reception, she was really drunk, but she was like, oh, they're so cute. <laughs> like, she was all about it. She was totally co-signing this whole situation. Yeah, but I guess that she never thought about the future where... Um, she might be expected to vouch for Matt. And she has an ethical issue with lying to authorities. And she also says the typical right-wing talking point that the country is having a hard enough time taking care of its own. Which, like, in this situation specifically, like, what a shitty thing to say. And obviously Amanda's a total Trump supporter and, like, <laughs> fuck her. But uh, in this specific situation... Katya is literally just a doctor who is working in the country and like is not like what does what does the well and we talked about this outside of the podcast which is anybody can get married to anybody else for any reason and nobody can say shit about it except in one case when there's an immigration situation involved and it's ridiculous like you know you and I could get married if we wanted to for benefits or for right. whatever to make it easier to transfer, you know, an inheritance from one to the other. If we decided to share a house uh, and we had a mortgage together or whatever, it doesn't matter. 
Like, it's funny, people get really sanctimonious about uh, marriages of convenience when um, immigration is involved, but they happen all the time. Um, well, and the thing that's interesting to me, because like after, you know, over the course of after I, when I was watching this episode, I messaged you and I was like, oh, God, it's my least favorite storyline. I hate it so much because this happens every time in TV shows, especially of this era. It was a, a big thing, I think, um, happened a lot in sitcoms as well, where somebody gets married for a green card. And then uh, election, like uh, election officials. Oh my God, I read the news too much. Um, and then INS people come and they try to prove or disprove or catch them not really loving each other. And I'm like, a, a legal marriage is a contract between two people. And as Tina Turner once famously said, what's love got to do with it? Like <laughs> why the government should have no interest in proving that two people and so after you and I talked about it I wanted to see how true this actually is like if this is something that is really played up for TV or if it's something that happens in real life and I did actually find some stuff about uh like more about the government busting operate like massive operations of of providing fake marriages uh for status um, but the standard that they're trying to prove is that these two people plan on building a life together. But again, I don't see why the government should have an interest in that. Like a marriage is a contract between two people that they might enter into for a variety of reasons. And I mean, honestly, two people could get married for love and live in totally different States and not build shit together. They could never merge their assets. They could, um, never buy property together like the these things are not things that are mandated under the marriage contract like you said except for in cases where the government has decided it has i guess an interest in disproving that these things are happening but it's not a standard that's applied evenly um and it seems crazy and fucked up that some people could get married and literally never merge shit and never love each other and never share anything and never do anything married people do just be married um legally and then some people will get this you know sort of like weird investigation on whether or not their marriage is quote real which in all actuality all marriages is a legal contract so yeah if you've been legally married it is a real marriage you know well like, and it's crazy what is the point of like devoting all kinds of resources to investigating these individual contracts because it's not like you can um marry 10 people in this manner like what's the big deal if a, a few people here and there do this? I don't think there's like any sort of return on the investment going on. Um, you know, it's just dumb. <laughs> well, that's the thing though, is like, I didn't research it super in depth because honestly it was not worth my time, but <laughs> my quick Google search, every top hit that I found on does the government investigate, you know, marriages, blah, 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 was about, was it about, people getting investigated for just like one you know like in fact something that i found said the government really doesn't have the time or energy to do investigations in individual marriages it's more investigating things like if you and i had an operation where we find where we have like people who are willing to get married in the united states 
and we sell that service to people like a marriage you know, mill. or something like yeah. that yeah a marriage mill or something like that yeah. um but even then i don't think that that should be like <laughs> i don't know unless they're frauding people out of money like unless it's a exploitative situation which i guess that's a naturally exploitative operation on some level one could argue but it's not like our government gives a shit about people being exploited um except for when they're trying to get one over on the gut you know it's yeah. just it's not it's it's a banana system so who cares not but, us yeah <laughs> but also like amanda tries to act like she has these ethics and i can't figure her out because it's just like she's like i can't lie you know like and, like really amanda you can't lie <laughs> right it's probably more like i can't lie when there's a potential for me to get in trouble for it like, right you know um, which I guess is sort of smart. But anyway, uh, Matt ascertains that probably the best thing is if um, Amanda just doesn't talk to anybody about it. <laughs> um, so um, let's see. La, la, la. Katya wants to spend the night preparing for the INS visit, but Matt reminds her that he has a date. So... Um, they start to go over the details of their relationship and it appears as though Katya is getting swept up in actual feelings for Matt, which um, is doubly dumb because he's a homosexual. Um, <laughs> um, but maybe she has this cool idea that uh, he's never tried it and maybe if he actually tried it, he would like it, um, like Life Cereal. <laughs> um, Nikki has a fever, so Katya stays in with her at Matt's while he goes out with Joe or Joel, whatever his name is. I feel bad about this because his name was on the gallery. Like, there was a sign with his name on it, and I still don't know. But it's not worth going and looking back at his ugly stubble goatee. Um, <laughs> uh, and he tells Matt at intermission that he should probably just take Matt home because Matt's like on the phone and super worried about Nikki um, because nobody's ever had a fever before and Nikki could die in his apartment, I guess. Um, the INS dude. Uh, oh, and I did want to say when, um, when Katya said that Nikki has a fever and I just went ahead and put her in your room, Matt. Is that all right? I just had this funny image of Nikki finding like dildos and lube and stuff in Matt's room. <laughs> um, mommy, what's this toy? Um, anyway, um, the INS dude does visit on Sunday or whatever day that's supposed to be. And um, he says that the suddenness of the marriage was a little suspicious, but Matt puts on his acting shoes and starts talking up um, just how amazing it was to see Katya across the cafeteria line or whatever. And he was instantly taken with her. Um, Nikki emerges from the bedroom um, and the INS start guy starts asking her questions, which is a great strategy when you're trying to catch someone in a lie is to ask the person in the room who's not going to be in on it or know what to do. Um, but 
<laughs> and he was like, at this point, he was starting to be really nice to them. He was like, oh, you know, this definitely seems legit. Y'all seem like y'all love each other. And then Nikki comes in and he said, he asks her some questions and he's like, oh yeah, this seems, you know. And then all of a sudden he just turns like super evil for a second and <laughs> says something like completely jarring. I can't remember what it was, but it was so out of the blue. It was so weird. And then they just sit there for a second. And then he's like, okay. <laughs> Uh, um so after that matt visits joel or joe at the gallery to apologize about their date and to reassure him that he does still want to bone um um the ins uh did fall for their scam uh we're in the clear now but mad is matt is a little sad about it because now his life is going to be too complicated and it's going to be hard to bone dudes, <laughs> which I don't get that at all. Like um, Katya was a single mom and he, she should certainly be able to um, hold down the fort at home with Nikki while Matt goes out and um, has sex. I don't see what the issue is, but anyway, um, but Joel is like it's fine i'm sure this is all only temporary it'll be fine or maybe katya said that i don't know who said it sorry <laughs> um well and my thing on this was like when matt went to katya and was like you know what let's do it let's get married i want to get married to you so that you can stay in the country and katya was like okay but let me pay you and he's like no i'm doing this because like Matt chose this and then he kind of puts it off on Katya like it's her fault that yeah. it's fucking up his life. Yeah. And I was just like, Matt, you, I mean, sure, she had tried to get him to do it in the first place, but he almost didn't do it and then he chose to do it. Yeah. And then he was very clear about his choice. So I think it's weird that he's, you know, he needs, um, I mean, he should suck it up. Like, <laughs> it, don't go whining to her um now that you have to live with your decision because she gave you an out and it was like a true out if you hadn't said yes she wouldn't even be in the country so <laughs> um let's see so joe tells allison that she had a very nice date with steve and they talked for four hours um that sounds exhausting uh, <laughs> they are already gonna go out again the next night um and steve mentions uh at a meeting with amanda and allison that joe is great but he also goes but she's no allison which i don't know why he has to do this like he she has a boyfriend he sucks but she has one she's already said no just stop it um joe arrives for lunch and amanda says that uh, Steve definitely has a crush on Allison, but it's obvious that she doesn't mind. Um, you know, she thinks that Allison kind of gets a kick out of being wanted by someone who's not a whiny baby like um, Billy. Billy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, let's see, Jane is in charge of cooking for Robert's parents. And she's going over recipes with him on the phone when Kimberly arrives. Uh, she tell, She's there to tell Jane that it's over between her and Michael. And Jane says that she doesn't care. And so, uh, wait a minute. Yeah, Kimberly's there to tell. Yes, okay. I said Kimberly, but I was thinking Sydney. This is, 
the more people we have on this show, the harder it is. I'm going to start over. <laughs> Kimberly shows up to tell Jane that it's over between her and Michael. And Jane says that she doesn't care. Um, and so Kimberly tells her that Sydney is the reason why. And Jane accuses her of lying. Um, and Kimberly says that she thinks that Sydney did all of this on purpose to hurt Jane. So uh, Jane goes to Amanda's to ask Sydney to ask her to make Sydney move out. And she says it was thoughtless of her not to even check with her before giving Sydney an apartment at Melrose place. And this is when Jane learns that Michael co-signed that lease. So uh, Sydney is immediately overwhelmed at shooters, but her coworker, uh, who is played by the absolutely amazing icon, Gina Gershon, who so far seems to be wasted in this role. Right. No <laughs> like, have you ever seen Gina Gershon wasted like this before? I certainly haven't. No. Um, <laughs> um, speaking of which, I, I'm also watching Ugly Betty, and she plays the um, uh, what's-her-face Versace analog on there. Oh, yeah, like a Donatella Versace. Yeah, exactly. It's amazing. Um, show recommendation, Ugly Betty, Four Seasons, fantastic. Um, <laughs> uh, Jane is there to confront her, and Sydney admits that everything is true. Um, but she lies, and she says that Michael has been after her all along, um, and she blames Jane. God, I'm so bad at names in this particular outline she blames jane for not being excited about the job but she also says that michael michael practically raped her um which is not very girl code oh my god <laughs> uh jane does not believe sydney and she calls her a little bitch uh sydney lies and says that she was only with michael once and jane says i don't have a sister anymore which is <laughs> Um, so let's see. No kidding. <laughs> Kimberly tells Michael that they're through and she wants his stuff out of the beach house before she gets home. Uh, when she gets there. Oh, hi doggy. Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. Riley, stop. <laughs> <laughs> um, when she. <laughs> Riley, come here. Riley, come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Hey doggy. Come here. Okay. She's just barking at somebody out the window. Aww. So I got her up on the bed to snuggle with She's me. so cute. Um, so uh, let's see. When she gets to the beach house, Michael is there watching a game and drinking a beer in his boxers. Um, he says that he doesn't have any problem being there. So if anybody's going to leave, it should be Kimberly. And she says that she's fine with that and that somebody will be by to get her stuff. And that is such a power move. I love that. <laughs> like, Okay. But like, why is she fine with that? The only reason they were able to get this house is because she paid for it. Right. Yeah. Like, she like, Oh my God. No. I, yeah. Yeah. This is all a lot of power moves on her part, but I'm not sure she has enough power to back it up, <laughs> but I'm, <laughs> I'm at least impressed by the bravado. Right. <laughs> right. Um, so she says that somebody will be by to get her stuff. And she says, do not talk to me at the hospital. Um, uh, and then Kimberly, again, with the names, Kimberly finds the break room filled with flowers. 
uh, from Michael. Um, you know, he's trying to apologize and he somehow can afford, you know, 40 flower arrangements. Um, must be nice. Uh, she doesn't take the bait though. Um, Sydney shows up at the hospital to say that Kimberly ruined everything and now it's her turn. Um, and Michael shoots her down and asks Sydney to stay the hell out of his life. Meanwhile, Robert surprises um, Jane <laughs> while she's working on dinner. God, I'm going to put pictures of everybody with their names at the top of my computer screen when I do outlines from now on because I did a bad job this week. Robert surprises Jane while she's working on dinner and it's obvious that she's mad about something. She tells him about Kimberly dumping Michael because he's boning Sydney and she cries and he suggests taking his parents out for dinner, but she still wants to host. Um, dinner's going great and Robert's parents are super nice, but Michael shows up and he makes a scene and he pushes Robert into the glass shelving that's right by the door. Uh, Robert punches him in the gut and pushes him out the door take out the trash, Robert. Um, Robert visits the next day. Uh, somehow the glass shelves are already fixed. <laughs> um, which by the way, I, I love this. If you ever notice stuff, one thing on TV shows, check out the decor and watch for when it's supposed to change and doesn't. Oh yeah. Um, my favorite or like stuff with a wardrobe like i've seen things where it's like somebody like took their tie off and then in the next like for just a brief blip they have a tie back on yeah or, or like yeah. the level of champagne in the glass is great um oh yeah so we just finished a rewatch of um brothers and sisters which is a fantastic show and there's a scene where there's a fire in the kitchen and all of the canisters like flour sugar whatever are ruined in the fire and I said, but those aren't the normal canisters. Those are blue, and the canisters that they have in there are green. And sure enough, the next episode and all the subsequent episodes had green canisters. And I'm like, <laughs> they had special stand-in canisters just for the episode where there's a fire. <laughs> oh, my God. That's hilarious. Yeah. It's, it's better to have a slight continuity error than really have to plan out the set pieces i guess um <laughs> yeah i mean that's the thing is like they don't want it to actually be like as hard as real life right, right. so it's it's like the fire happened as a plot point for some reason i'm guessing yeah but they don't want to actually do the do the hard work of replacing all the things yeah all, you know and, so and making sure that they film in the right TV. order yeah so so it makes it fun for people who like me can notice things like that, but then get everybody's names wrong in a spreadsheet summary for their podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, um, as well as dinner had been going, Robert's dad chewed him out for dating a client. Um, but Robert is all in on this relationship and he wants to get a restraining order against Michael and Jane beams like the biggest smile you will ever see Jane do. You can count her teeth. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> and that is the end of episode nine married to it. Well, 
Here we are. Show's really heating up now. (laughs) Yeah, and, um, you know, I will say that one thing that they haven't done this season is we aren't getting the interesting guest actors as much. Um, I I noticed that my outline does not have much in the third column because normally normally that's where I called interesting things out. So um, at least the, the writers are concentrating heavily on what to do with the characters but i do miss being like hey i know that person but i'm really ready for this uh i'm really ready for the matt katia story arc to end Mm -hmm. which i think it will pretty soon um i don't think they are gonna now that the ins guy is kind of like oh y'all seem fine i feel like hopefully this will you know that's a good call they'll end soon they'll probably have one more episode <laughs> right yeah exactly um and then uh or maybe uh katia's husband will show back up and right. be like i'm a spy and i'm gonna murder you <laughs> uh, which honestly i'd be here for it totally um <laughs> uh yeah so um i'm uh, curious to see what's going to happen now. The show's getting hot. Everybody's fucking each other and or jealous of each other yeah. in various kinds of romantic triangles and squares and cubes and all kinds of stuff. So yeah, I just so now I'm getting petty. Like now I want something bad to happen to Billy. <laughs> uh, I feel like it will. <laughs> <laughs> like. His dad already like, died. How long but... do we really think that Billy and Allison are going to last? I don't, I don't. They can't last much longer, honestly. They can't be. Right? So that must be why there's extra apartments with people that we don't see in Melrose Place, just so that there can be enough apartments for someone to move out as needed. Like, Right. <laughs> but somehow stay in the same apartment complex. Yeah. Because that's totally what you would do. Yeah. Like is break up with somebody that you were living with and then just move next door or something. Right. So that you could, um, be trying to enjoy a, a beer from the cooler by the pool, but there they are. Like, can't you just can't get away because you specifically did not choose to get away. But <laughs> <laughs> Also, how did none of these people have friends that live anywhere else? Well, they do like, when, when there's a party or something, they all show up, but it feels fake, yeah. right? That's every time, like when um, Amanda, that like the very opening scene of the season was that big party that Amanda was show like throwing, and I'm like, who are these people? And then when Michael and Kimberly threw that party, like yeah. some of the people in the background looked ten years younger than them. Like, I don't understand who all these people are. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. it's weird. The one time I can think of where some like uh, when Billy sets. Um, Allison up on a blind date like that was his friend and that was like the one time I can think of where somebody had a friend that wasn't in a party scene <laughs> but if, right and um he'll he'll never be mentioned again but you know <laughs> oh my god oh you know what so uh, I I almost forgot this but two nights ago I finally watched Death Becomes Her for the first time <gasps> love that movie I know I know I know but in the in the beginning, Meryl Streep goes when Meryl Streep like has a falling out with her husband and she goes off into the stormy night and she goes to her lover's house and he rejects her and then she goes to like a plastic surgeon's office or something like 
and or, or a spa or an esthetician, something like that, you know, like a beauty place. There's a woman who is uh, who works there who's only in the movie for, I mean, five minutes. You know, this like she's got a bit part in this one scene. And I didn't look it up, but I swear to God, it's the same woman who played the grifter from Jake's past in season one of Melrose Place. Um, you mean Perry? Yes. Perry, who showed up to let him know that he might have AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. So I was, I saw her and I was like, oh my God, I think it's the lady from Melrose Place. Well, I definitely am going to look that up. I guess I should have Googled it before we started recording. <laughs> but I totally forgot until just now. It's okay. That, you know, it's spontaneous. This is happening in the moment. This is great. Not everything has to be in a spreadsheet. <laughs> of course, I'm going to type it to Melrose okay, Place, on. Perry. Uh, let's see. Who plays this woman? Perry is played by Michelle Johnson. Okay, let's see. Was she in Death Becomes Her? She was. Oh my god, I was right! And she's in Waxwork. Oh, I forgot that. I just watched Waxwork the other day. Well, you know, five weeks ago, but still. That's right. So anyway, if you're out there and you, like me, have somehow never watched Death Becomes Her, you should watch it. It's a great movie. Yeah, like drop everything and watch that as soon as you're done with this podcast, for sure. Because it's a great movie. And it makes me really miss the... The 80s and early 90s were a really good era for uh, woman-led comedy movies. Um, there's a bunch of them with like uh, Bette Midler and Lily Tomlin and Shelley Long and um, all those people. I could make a huge... I should have a film festival is what I should do, actually. Oh, my God. You know what I have not seen in fucking forever that I just want to want to watch now? You said Bette Midler and Lily Big Tomlin. Big business. Big business? Yes. <laughs> I am always down to clown with that movie. There's a band called Big Business that my husband likes. And every time he talks about it, like, which is not that frequent. But whenever it's ever come up, I always uh, say, like, the movie with Lily Tomlin and Bette Midler where they're twins separated at birth. <laughs> um, and then he glares at me. I have a huge um, soft spot for movies where people play twins or clones i love that like i i was a real big fan of the patty duke show on nick at night oh yeah you know i i just i love it i thought you meant like the arnold schwarzenegger danny devito movie <laughs> twins i don't even remember that movie i've probably watched it back in the day but i couldn't tell you anything about it i've actually never seen it mm. Well, maybe that's a recommendation, too. I don't know. <laughs> uh, we're in a pandemic, people. You got plenty of time to watch all kinds of movies. Oh, yeah. speaking of which, um, I'm on the second to last episode of Smallville, which is my big pandemic watch, 10 seasons. And I'm this close to the end. Oh, thank God. So may, I, I will probably finish it today, which is good because, um, you know, like I'll go for my Sunday walk tomorrow. And I kind of figured like if I took a walk tomorrow without having finished Smallville that I would probably get hit by lightning or something. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Like he tried so hard to get through 10 seasons of Smallville before he died, but he died anyway. He was so close. (laughs) Man, you might like fill, you might like feel a hole in your life when you're finished. Oh no, I will not. I like the show a lot. I like it. There's just too much of it. 
Yeah. Um, and I probably should have committed from the beginning to do two five season chunks, but I was stupid. Um, but then, well, you're here now. Yeah, and you're almost done. I'm almost done. Uh, nothing's gonna stop me now, except for a freak household accident. So I'm gonna be very careful, just like in Final Destination. <laughs> <laughs> Well, folks, this has been Melrose Sheltering in Place. You can find both of us on Instagram. I'm at Nanarchist. And uh, although I've been trying to spend mm-hmm. even not hardly any time there either. So it's the one social platform I'm still on, but I'm barely there. Don't lie. You're um, on TikTok. Uh, well, TikTok. <laughs> okay, but here's the thing about TikTok is I don't really follow very many people. I follow like five people. And um, most of, yeah, I it's not social media to me in mm-hmm. the way that like TikTok to me almost feels just like watching little one minute TV It's shows. a streaming service for you. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, uh, it's not to me the same as just getting bombarded with people that I knows like stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that might sound shitty of me to say, but quite honestly, I just don't think that we all need that much access to each other. I've come to believe for a myriad of reasons. Well, but. and I think that it's actually very wise of you to look at um, the impact that social media platforms have had on your mental health and be able to say, this is a problem for me and be able to take a step away. You know, uh, a lot of people uh, don't have the ability to imagine a world where they aren't on every platform and even if it makes them completely miserable. Um, so I think that's, uh, shows a lot of intelligence and character on your part. Well, and you and I are of an age where, um, we can remember a time before social media. Right. And so we have something to compare it to, too. And I'm just like, I feel like, I feel like I don't really in the, I used to, it's kind of like, um, at first it felt really good and then it started feeling really bad. I don't think that I actually enjoy having a hundred shallow relationships with people that I only know. Like I know, like many of people I know on social media, I've met them in real life a couple times, but we mostly know each other through this like platform. Mm -hmm. And I just don't, I don't like it's, it's, I, I jokingly told Brian Gregory um, yesterday, like I'm barely spending any time on Instagram. So now it feels like I only have five friends, but that actually feels normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and you know, I will say I was very excited to start a podcast with you because we don't live anywhere near each other, but I've always wanted to like regularly see you more. And so it's kind of an opportunity to be able to chat and stuff and, you know, in a way that even if you were using the platforms a lot, we still wouldn't get to because they're kind of limiting in a way when you're doing posts and replies, right? Like um, conversations just don't really flow in those spaces. Right. Um, they're they're kind of segmented and, you know, um, performative and stuff. And I mean, uh, as I say on a podcast, what's performative? But you know what I mean? Like, well, I mean, that's the thing is like a lot of times people use performative when they're talking about things on, especially on social media, as if it's a bad thing. But the truth of the matter is you're having a conversation in public. It's all performative on some level. Yeah. Um, and so it's not the same. It's just never going to be the same as like 
a one-on-one interaction or seeing each other and having a conversation. Um, and yeah, there's DMs, but I mean, I can also text people. Yeah. So that's not really, you know, an additive necessarily. So anyway. <laughs> Thoughts. Uh, <laughs> but if you would like, you can still find me on Instagram <laughs> for right now at Nanarchist. And then Christopher is at Xtofer575. Yep. And, um, you know, I do have a TikTok account. And every time I go in, I watch a couple of videos and I'm like, uh, maybe later. <laughs> I definitely fall into holes with it, but uh, I I think that that was kind of the newness of it, and I can tell that that's also kind of I I'm I'm not doing it as much. Hmm. So yeah, and I would probably actually have more time and interest in TikTok videos if it weren't for the fact that I am so obsessed with watching as many shows and movies and bad movies and seventies and eighties sci-fi and horror as I can these days because just really enjoying all that it's a lot of fun yes i love it Mm. all right everyone well thank you for joining us on melrose sheltering in place and we'll catch you next time bye bye